0: Welcome to Life After Business the Podcast, where I bring you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. This is Ryan Tansom, your host, and I hope you enjoy this episode. How's everybody doing today? Thanks for tuning back in to the Life After Business Podcast. Today's guest Her name is Allie Harding. Allie has got a company named Orange Kiwi, and her background is very colorful and very diverse. She has got a science and biology degree, management masters, and then also in the midst of her PhD in business psychology. And the reason she is doing all this allows her to have just an amazing perspective and empathy for the business owner because of all of the things that tie the identity and the business together and fuse them together. So there's so many different things that are packed within that situation and Ali is here to help us understand a bit more of what that means, what we can do as business owners to understand how the business impacts who we are and some of the things that we can do to help ourselves get a little bit more self-awareness and take control over who we are and where the business fits into our life instead of being owned by the business. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the interview with Allie Harding. Thank you very much for coming on the Life After Business podcast.
1: Happy to do it.
0: So I think a great way to kick this off is to, why don't you just give our listeners a background of your professional and educational career? Because um, when I met you at a summit recently, that's one of the things that extremely stuck out to me.
1: Sure. You mean my crazy eclectic background? Yeah, uh, I love
0: it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Happy to do that. So uh, education-wise, a bachelor's degree in biology and chemistry, a master's degree in marriage and family therapy, and I'm a PhD candidate in business psychology, focusing on my research on understanding the Inclinations of People in Power at Points of Significant Transition. And my dissertation's really focused on low to mid-market business owners at the point of their ultimate transition or exit from their business.
0: Which I just, going from science, chemistry to that is just amazing. Now you don't hear that whole transition too often.
1: <laughs> well, but here's what it taught me. So I was a general management consultant for a number of years and when I kept running into the same problem over and over, the biology and chemistry piece told me I needed a scientific approach to finding a solution. The marriage and family therapy told me I needed to understand the system that the problem lived in. Those two things combined helped me really identify the context and the challenges that business owners were facing. And that sent me forward to get the PhD so I could add rigor to what we do.
0: I love it. So. Going right into then uh, your firm and what your firm does or what you do for a living for uh, businesses, why don't you kind of just tie that together?
1: Sure. So um, Orange Kiwi was founded by myself and my partner. I was born and raised in Orange County, California, hence the orange part. My partner is from New Zealand, hence the Kiwi part. He had a background. <laughs> yeah, I I love
0: know. it. I love
1: it. He always says, not the little flightless bird, it's the fruit. And so our (laughs) logo is literally an orange with a kiwi inside of it. Um, So it's orange kiwi. And our whole focus um, as general management consultants um, really got challenged when we kept running into businesses whose most significant challenge was something around the founder transition, a founder transition, or um, an owner who had come in and really built it up and was trying to transition out? The common thread was their lack of preparedness for this really unique phase of the organizational life cycle. So we took Jim Collins' great advice, and instead of firing a cannonball, we fired a bullet, and we we launched what we call Plan for Transition, based on research. Um, and based on our client experience and built out an approach that helps owners get to know what we call their mom um, and it's not you know the, the mom at home who baked cookies and got you out the door to school it's it's the mom of your business and that's what you want for many ownership and management today but also in the future
0: I love it so I want to can you give us a little bit of a story or some of the steps that you guys went through? To realize what this main issue is, I mean, you've obviously found an issue that you saw was not being addressed to go get your PhD for it. So, walk us through a story about how you kind of came to that epiphany.
1: Well, hopefully, this doesn't um, bring too much trauma up for other owners out there, but I'll tell you the saddest story. Um, it was, it's the one that still haunts me. It was, um, a really sharp young guy who grew up in his family business. It was um, mid-market. They're doing about a little over $20 million um, a year in annual revenue, and it was a distribution business with very narrow margins. The, the founder, his dad, had built it up from absolutely nothing. Literally would go um, buy product on um using a line of credit with various vendors and then go out and hustle it until he could pay it off and use the profit and pour it back in. So he built it completely bootstrapped up to $20 million. Super sharp um, salesman, but he had so many of the classic um, challenges that some entrepreneurs have, particularly around the concept of role identity fusion. And I'll just encapsulate that by telling you that his license plate was Bolt God. So now you know what he sold. (laughs) I love it. Right? So now you know what he sold. And his whole identity was who he was as an owner. And that made it very difficult for him to accept challenges from people inside and outside his business because it wasn't just a business challenge. It was a personal challenge which made some of the choices that he w- he led the business through really difficult. So he um, had a, a set of advisors. He had a business attorney, and he had a CPA who was also his CFO, um, and he had an insurance guy. He had, so he had people all giving him different types of advice, and he thought that he had protected his family. He thought that he had a will and he had a, a trust, and he had what he thought was a succession plan. So his health started to decline. The business started to decline. He kind of took his eye off the ball. The management team, who had grown up with the business, was never really upskilled. They were the people who were there for 20 years, but they weren't the people whose skills were what the business needed today. But they were the ones left to run it. Meanwhile, his his of his he had a son and a daughter that. They were both in their mid-twenties, son had completely grew up in the business, starting at the you know, warehouse floor sweeping it and became uh, head of sales. The daughter resented her father, resented the business, never really set foot in there um, if she could avoid it, never worked in the business. Well, dad's health declined, took his eye off the ball, business declined some more, dad's health declined some more, thought he was covered, thought he still had several years where he could still be in the business, Um, And sadly, he died suddenly, not even related to his health. It was a complete, it was an accidental death, not related to the business. And his preparedness was tested in the most horrific way. His son and his daughter found out they were 50-50 owners. Oh, geez. Also found out that the business was 90 days away from the bank calling its note. And that would be bad enough if they had found that out right after dad died. They found out about the ownership, but what they didn't know until dad died was dad wasn't gonna let them be the beneficial owners. They weren't gonna receive the business until the son either turned 30 or the trustees felt that he was capable, which gave the trustees an out clause. The trustees ran the business for over three years Ran it into the ground. They were doing about a million dollars a year um, in EBITDA before oh, Dad died. Wow. And after, down. after Dad died, they were upside down nearly $2 million over a four-year period. And so the bank was getting ready to call the notes. Son had about, we thought they had six months. He called us in, said, can you help? Can you help me look at this? We came in, found out there was 90 days. Had to put in a turnaround plan. And we did. We brought in an AR lender. We turned it around. We were able to take out the AR lender in a year. But the damage to that family to this, so that was about five years ago. The damage to that family today still exists. Relationships are still very difficult. The business is thriving, but the challenges that it faced, it did not have to face. The jobs that were lost in the process did not have to be lost.
0: So what did you learn from that? What was your main takeaway? I
1: The psychology of the owner is the greatest opportunity for success and the greatest obstacle to success all at the same time. And helping owners create awareness of self. So this owner, we'll we'll call him Jim, that's not his real name, but we'll call him Jim, the founder. Jim didn't know what he didn't know and he thought he was doing all the right things, which tells us he wanted to do the right things. But he didn't have the right people challenging him. He didn't have people that understood the exit space and the transition space challenging him. And he didn't have people in his business challenging him. So understanding why became really important because Jim's an extreme example. He reminds me of Sumner Redstone of Viacom, if you know that story. Yep. So those people are really extreme. But there are a lot of people that don't have quite that level of challenge but are still kind of stuck and beholden to um, what we call the paradox of of success. Because they've been successful, they expect to be successful in the future, they they start to um, believe that the way they've always operated is gonna be sufficient for growing into the future and preparing their business for exit. And it's a phenomenon that is measurable, understandable, discernible. And if you can if you can take that hidden stuff, because advisors can feel it, but they can't name it. Owners kind of know it's there, but they don't want to acknowledge it, and they don't know how, what to do about it, even if they do. So I wanted to go back and find a way to help make the hidden visible, because if you can measure it, you can change it.
0: So... How do you start the conversation because it's so hidden and it's so layered? How, where do you start?
1: Um, I don't. That's the honest answer. I don't start the conversation. I don't have the relationship and I don't have the right to be heard. An advisor starts the conversation because they have the trusted relationship. And so an advisor like yourself who get who understands what an owner is gonna be facing and what they need to go through will say something like, you know what, I just really wanna serve you better, and we've got this resource out here. Would you mind taking a 15-minute online assessment and help me discover how I can best serve you? And the owner does. They go on, they take a 15, super non-intrusive, gives us a rich set of data, and then we can help both the advisor and the owner learn how to position um, an approach that meets the owner where they're at and helps them overcome some of their challenges. I'm
0: oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh,
1: no, no, that's okay. And, and the important piece is this is not therapy. What, what this is is a business problem. And that's exactly how we challenge it. With the, uh, uh, that's exactly how we address it with the business owners and the advisors.
0: Um, I, that's, it's something quantifiable, right? You can, you can take it and you, you can score yourself, right? It's not some mushy, gushy laying on a couch situation.
1: <laughs> no, I don't do mushy, gushy.
0: <laughs> so, you know, question for you. Um, what, you know, the business owners that you've seen make this transition or a transformation, probably better word for it is what, wh- where are they? What is some of the criteria? What allows them to listen for the first time?
1: Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a spectrum, right? So some of them, there's a whole group that we call ready Readers or ready Rogers. These people, they're so highly self-aware. They've built tremendous value into their business. They could walk away tomorrow and be fine. And the reason is because they have a sense of self, who they are, meaning for their life beyond their business. Their business is not, everything it's not their full identity it's not the full expression or essence of who they are those people have high self-awareness they get all the psychological motivational needs met in places that are sometimes in their business but they also have places outside their business and they're able to move into a life of significance and satisfaction beyond their role now, moving past Jim and Subner Redstone, the whole group in the middle, we call them moderate Michaels or moderate Michelles. These people are people who have worked really hard. They've built amazing businesses, tremendously successful. They they meet all the common characteristics of entrepreneurs, but but they need a little bit of help defining so some of the, their guiding principles and figuring out how to build things into their business. Let Some of them just need to learn how to let go and control and invest power in different places of their organization. Some of them um, need help identifying what a life would look like beyond their business. They can't even conceptualize of it. But once they start to step into it, it's super powerful and those are really fun because all of a sudden they get to play. And they, the stresses of the day-to-day business, the tyranny of the urgent, all those things, they start to get freed up from that and the creative energy that they harness to build their business, they're not able to harness for life beyond their business.
0: I love it. So there's one other person too, which is the farthest one, right? Which is the what, what is the top guy or the the, the farthest of the spectrum where they're so infused, their role identity, as you put it, is so infused together that there's almost a lack of possibility to to, to break it.
1: Yeah, we call those foolish Freds or foolish Frida. So we'll just say Fred because it's a little bit easier. Foolish Freds, um, these these are, it's actually really sad. These are people who, men and women, who um, their self-identity and their identity as owner are so incredibly fused that they literally do not know who they are apart from their role. And so when you try to talk to them about exiting their business, you're not talking to them about their business. You're asking them to leave a part, of all of who they are, and step into something and meet somebody they they've never known,
0: which is so interesting. So, I, are you familiar with the book Halftime? I am. So, uh, Halftime by Bob uh, Buford. I love it because you know there's a lot of you know you could probably think there's there's negative emotion with the Foolish Fred, but you know I think as entrepreneurs, every you know me and my dad were the same way. Where you, I think a lot of people are in that middle, and they don't know it. They probably think they're more to the side. However, they do realize that there is more to life than their business, and their business is just a way to hit all that community and that passion and that purpose. You're you're getting a lot of fulfillment out of the business, but it's trying to almost create something in parallel with your business, which uh, halftime t- refers to the second half of your life. What do you? How do you have a second career where it's not just money motivated? Is there anything that you've seen? Um, in your experience or advisors or anybody that you've been exposed to that has created a successful way of creating that second halftime?
1: Yeah, well, halftime is one of them for sure. And uh, Lloyd Reeb, who um, I've had the privilege of knowing for a number of years, he wrote a book um, called Success to Significance. And that book builds on the work that Bob Buford did early on and that organization is fantastic for helping people, whether they're business owners or, or just um, executives, really move into living a life of satisfaction, and significance. Another way to do it is through peer groups. We have found peer groups to be incredibly powerful. And what what is critical for owners is exactly what you hit on, Ryan. It's they've got to find a way to satiate some of the some of the psychological motivators that they're getting satiated right now through their business. They've got to find a way to do that beyond their business. And the three the three things, areas that they have to begin to explore are their um, need for relatedness, competency, and autonomy. And as entrepreneurs are really successful and they thrive because those needs are met through their business. So relatedness is... Exactly what it sounds like. Relationships and being cared for by and caring for other people. Oftentimes entrepreneurs um, look at this as their employees, their customers, their vendors, their peers, their colleagues. All those relationships when they are, are primarily the, are, when the prime relationships that an owner has and they have very few outside the business. Imagine what it would be like, Ryan, if you lost every friend you ever had. <laughs> Or the relationship changed overnight because you were no longer the owner and you had to go make a whole new world of friends
0: yep i uh <laughs> i actually <laughs> do a little bit of experience with that not not no so much as me but uh um if people have heard my dad's podcast and john warlow's um you know we didn't have a, a whole lot of time to build this whole emotional journey and um, it is a really creepy, eerie feeling when you go from 400 emails a day and people calling to zero. Like It is hard to even describe.
1: Yeah, it's uh, there's one owner that I know who said, for the first week, I kept getting up at the same time, having my coffee, <laughs> putting on my suit, kissing my wife, and realizing I didn't have anywhere to go.
0: <laughs> right. So he
1: toddled out to his back. He had a little... Um, outhouse office kind of you know shed out in the in the backyard and he would go out there and stare at a screen not quite sure what he should do for hours on end until his wife finally said um you need to fix this
0: yeah because she she wanted him out of the house as well
1: <laughs> well actually yes but what she really wanted was she wanted her husband back because she lost him that her husband was this guy who had all these relationships who's need for competency is very common among entrepreneurs. In order for them to feel successful, they have to feel competent. He had nowhere to get that met. And his need for autonomy or independence, the ability to create his own world and challenge himself beyond um, just the day-to-day, you know, with how, how much can he help her vacuum the house, right? So she literally, describes his personality as being gone overnight and not not knowing the man that was sitting out in the shed and it happened in a very short order
0: so to to avoid that you had mentioned that it's you know it's quantifiable so you've got like this test or you've got this way to see where you're at you know where where you're in the spectrum between ready Roger and foolish Fred what you know hopefully you're in the middle of there somewhere What are some of the steps that you can take? So you've got the relatedness, the competency, and the autonomy that you know that you need, but where's the bridge and what are some of the steps that people can take?
1: So um, I'm actually going to start by recommending a book by Bo Burlingham. It's called Finish Big, How Great Entrepreneurs Exit Their Companies on Top. And what Bo did is he went and interviewed over 50 business owners um, and did a quali- took a qualitative approach to really understanding their journey. And what he found is that owners who finish big, which means they're able to exit their companies, and keep in mind that 70 to 80% of businesses don't sell, don't sell. So exiting in and of itself is a huge hurdle. So exiting their companies on their own terms and in their own timing. That's how Bo describes finishing big. We would add becoming part of the elite 7% also means that they go on to live a life of satisfaction and significance. What Bo found is those owners go through four very distinct phases and they're all essential. The first is the exploratory stage where you're answering existential questions about what you do and do not want for your business, who you are if not your business. This is the stage where it's really important that owners begin to define and get to know their mom, that money ownership management thing I was describing to you. And this should take place years before they ever plan to sell because it sets the stage for building uh, the bridge while they walk on it. And what I mean is the bridge to their future is being built while they're still running their business. So that they're able to start to create meaning beyond their business, they're able to get those motivational drivers satiated outside their business because they've given that they've bought themselves time. The competitive advantage that they have for exit is time. Now, if once they achieve that goal, then they're really ready. They they can make informed decisions. They've developed guiding principles to start to look at the strategic aspects of exit. And this is where a lot of John Warlow's work and a number of others come, come into play. This is really building the value into your business. So starting to see your business as a product and beginning to, beginning to um, build into the business the characteristics that will make it successful at, after the owner exits and be more attractive at the point of execution. Execution then is the third phase, and that's the phase where the deal happens and the owner exit, whether it's a family succession, a full sale, a minority or majority recap, whatever that, trans- whatever that transition phase is that moves the owner out of their role as-, as owner or sole owner is the execution phase. Once that's done, the owner's not done. Just because they're not the owner of that business they're not done with their journey. They then enter the last phase, which is transition. And in this phase, Price um did a study of 365 business owners, and what they found is that in this transition stage, three-quarters of them were profoundly dissatisfied within 12 months, and what we find is that because if owners go through a robust exploratory phase, they're the ones who end up in what we call the elite 7% in transition. Those who um, skipped exploration all the way back in the beginning, those are the ones who w- won't have built the bridge while they walked on it. So now, they have to build a new reality. At the same time, they're adjusting to not having those 400 emails anymore. And those are the ones who will struggle.
0: Yeah, and you. there's a couple main things in here, and it's it, unfortunate that always goes back to the when should you plan, and it's yesterday. But the you know the the thing that you're buying is time, which you know me and my dad didn't always have, and you know it's it's hard to focus on the uh, on the important emotional stuff when you're crunched for time because it's all the technical stuff that you're you know you're getting done, you're checking the boxes, you're moving on, but you're not able to turn around and reflect internally what's actually happening.
1: Yeah, and I would argue, Ryan, that point you're spot on about the emotional. But you don't get at the emotional by thinking about your feelings. It really is a business challenge. And, and, so, and stopping, when, when you start to think about yourself as an individual and your business and what it takes to achieve success, what you have to do, is you're shifting your mindset from working in your business to working on your business. And that means also working on you. Too many times entrepreneurs limit their ability to achieve success because they don't continue to develop themselves.
0: Yeah, it's, it, um, I've brought it up a couple times in some other podcasts, but are you familiar with the astronaut syndrome? I'm not. So it's where you're a kid, you want to be an astronaut, you grow up, you become an, you go to school, you, go, you become an astronaut, you fly to the moon, you stick the flag in the, uh, in the moon, you come down, you shake the president's hand, you're 30 and you have no idea what to do. <laughs> because <laughs> that was your whole life vision, and now all of a sudden your your uh, success has um, overgrown where you currently vision, where where your vision's at.
1: Yeah, and that's that's exactly a huge component of the paradox of success. And it's not just limited to entrepreneurs or astronauts. I had a call from a national hockey league, an ex national hockey league player who they go in at sixteen, and their careers are done before they're thirty, and they go through the exact same thing.
0: Are you familiar with the term flow? No. So flow is a psychological state of being. Um, Mihaly Chex Um came up with a term in the late seventies or early eighties. I can't remember. Um, and there, it's the it's the zone that athletes like to talk about. Um, and I've got this theory that. Uh, After reading these books and about flow, that business owners and entrepreneurs are in the state of flow, which is essentially a high where time dissipates and and goes away because your challenges, your current environment, and how you get the feedback and your skills are all kind of pulling perfectly where you're not too challenged, where you're frustrated, or you're not too, um, it's not too easy where you're bored. So, what ends up happening is that flow where your skill sets and your challenges are perfectly in tension that's when the the zone is and i think business owners are living in that all the time until they hit their vision and then you become bored and or burnt out or you're doing something else and you don't know how to recreate that outside of the business because it's it's a it's a way that you're getting these endorphins and getting that feedback in that environment outside of your company is extremely difficult
1: spot on you nailed it i hadn't heard of flow but it describes a number of other um Phenomenon that have been stated among entrepreneurs. You're, you're, Ryan. You're spot on with that. The other phenomenon that happens is the owner who is not in what you're referring to as flow, and they feel like they're a rat on a wheel, running harder and faster, but getting nowhere. And what that is an example of is when those two things you talked about, their skills and abilities, and their motivations and all that, when they're out of tension, they're not able to live in their sweet spot often enough and those, that's an equal challenge for entrepreneurs.
0: Yep, I, I agree, so if you're you know, one of our listeners and you're a business owner and you don't know exactly where you sit in the spectrum, um, where do you start?
1: Uh, well, they can call you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice plug, <laughs> they, I like it.
1: <laughs> you like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, the best place to start is often, and I, so saying they could start with you was only a t- half tongue in cheek. Starting <laughs> with a trusted advisor is a great place to start, and ask them this question. How many business owners have you helped to transition out of their role as owner? And if they can point you to two or three, and you can pick up the phone and talk to another owner, that's a great place to start. If they say, you know, I really haven't, then I would ask them for a referral (laughs) to somebody maybe they know who has, um, because it's a really unique space. So start with an owner there. The, the next thing I would say is either you can give us a call or log on to our website and we can get you set up for an assessment or have your advisor contact us. It, it's most beneficial when our assessment is done while you're working with a skilled advisor because, there, to Ryan, to your point, there are technical aspects of this whole thing that we're simply not positioned Uh, nor do we want to help you work through. And approaching this as a business problem is probably the best way to overcome some of even the personal hurdles. Beyond that, there are some peer groups. um, Evolve out of Chicago is a great example um, that we can get you connected with. And so you take our assessment, and then we help you figure out which one of those paths makes sense. Do you continue work? How do you continue working with this advisor? What are the goals that you're gonna set for getting to know your mom? And we can walk you through, we can walk owners through a process that gets in there and then they they work with their advisor. We also help the advisor understand what does this owner need from you and who else do they need to bring to the table? And then if peer groups appro- uh, appropriate, which it often is, we can get them plugged into a peer group. Does that answer your question?
0: I think it does. And for the uh, resource for our listeners, where can everybody get a hold of you?
1: Allie, A L L I E, at OCKiwi.com. And our website is obviously OCKiwi.com or planfortransition.com.
0: Perfect. I love it. Allie, thanks for coming on the show.
1: You're welcome, Ryan. Have a great day.